Whose is it? It's, uh, it's mine. I didn't know you were into music. Oh, I know you're a DJ, but I've heard your show. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I like all the bands. I like... I've got a broad taste, you know, from, uh, from the Britpop bands like oh. uh, UB40, Def Leppard. Um, <laughs> right back to classic rock, like uh, Wings. Who's Wings? They're only the band the Beatles could have been. Well, I love the Beatles. Yeah, so do I. What's your favourite Beatles album, then? Tough one. I think I'd have to say the best of the Beatles. <laughs> Go on. Yeah, cheers. So, uh... Who's your favourite singer, then? Oh, uh, anything, really, you know. Frank Sinatra, Kurt Cobain. Who's he? Nirvana. Blew his head off with a gun. Why? He was depressed. Why? Were they not very good? <laughs> no, they were great. Well, someone should have told him. <laughs> Hello again. Ooh, what's that? Bang and Olufsen. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, ben, can you take this up to my room? Yeah, sure, no Cheers. problem. is Simon Meddings and I'm MC Kelly and I'm Peter Colvin and this is Waffle On about Alan Partridge Welcome to Knowing Me, Knowing You, with me, Alan Partridge, live from BBC Television Centre. You better believe it, babe, there's a new chat in town. <laughs> Tonight is what I call a JFK kind of a night, because just as everyone can remember what they were doing when President Kennedy was shot in the head, <laughs> I like to think that 30 years from now, people will remember what they were doing when I first said, Aha! Hello, and welcome to the show. Welcome back, everyone, and as you... Uh, you... Eagle-eared, 
listeners. Oh, well, uh, getting to that again. <laughs> Get eagerly in. <laughs> we have noticed uh, Pete is back. Pete, hello. How are you? Oh, ruddy bloody good. Thank you, Simon. Oh, that, oh, that was very good. Phoby being called Simon in the in the oh, podcast just doesn't seem quite right. You did introduce yourself that way. I did, yeah. But that's that was the that was the professional bit. Yeah, but is it all right? Is it all right for people to call us out by their own nicknames? I've always thought about that. Or is it more for other people to call you nicknames? Well, this uh, is a show about professional quality broadcasting. Yeah, we started up quite well. So, uh, what's been going on, Kelly? What programs have you been sitting on your ass and watching for the last? Well, month? you got Netflix, didn't you? Now? Oh. Yeah. It's took over my life this weekend. I did it on Friday. I watched eight films. Bloody hell. That's good, though. Watched four films all in a row on Friday. Three of them were shit. <laughs> but isn't that the point of Netflix? It is, yeah. <laughs> now, I've got a question for you, Mr. Kelly. Go on, then. Um, now, last week I went to the cinema to see Kick-Ass 2. I like it. Ah. Um, yeah, did you go last Sunday? Mm, what? No, I didn't. I went on Friday. Yeah, no, because I went last Sunday and it wasn't out yet. <laughs> oh, that's made, a nightmare! I made a colossal boob. I saw it. On where, the, where was you? I saw you it on the guy. You tool. Yeah, <laughs> I saw it. It was on the orange film thing. Oh, it came up. Oh. It said oh, showing here. I didn't look at what day. I was looking at it that day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, so so you you got to the cinema. Yeah. Do you want something else? Um, ended up seeing. Um, uh, now you see me. Oh, oh I see the magic one. The magical place one. It's good. I didn't know the bloke who ran Facebook could also do magic. Oh, yes, of course. It's um, that fellow, British fellow, isn't it? Isn't it? Is oh, he? I don't know. Isn't, isn't it? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> That's a bad you, you turn into Partridge without even realising it. <laughs> <laughs> but that was passable. But um, I noticed that you put uh, your own review of uh, Cake House oh, 2 on the, uh, on the Facebook page. So. Yeah, I was not uh, really. I wasn't angry. I think worst in the world is disappointment. I can deal with anger because it's an emotion that you, know you can have. <laughs> Look at that. He's been waiting to get that in. He's been waiting to get that in. But you know what I mean? I think if, you disapp- if you're angry with something, at least you're getting an emotion out of it. You know, like art, whether you like it or not, if it gets a response, it's done its job, hasn't it? Right? Yep. So it's about art. Andy Warhol said that. Right? But disappointment is like... Uh, have you saw it now? Not yet, no. I, I still think I'd like to. No. I'm buying it on DVD. <laughs> like, like I told you today, I talked about this today, there's a point where you're watching a film and you start thinking about your dinner. Mm, it smells. Do you, to, do you want to smell it? No, thanks. Smell the cheese. No, I don't want to smell it. <laughs> smell my cheese. Adam, please. Smell my cheese, oh. you mother. Oh, I, I think that's quite enough, thank you. Oh, God, cheese. This is cheese. <laughs> it's not doing its job. Oh, you all know you're always thinking about your dinner. <laughs> so it makes no odds. You'll think about your dinner when you're cooking your dinner. I'm thinking about it now. What are you having? I'm actually having uh, chili con carne, but Mrs. Meds has made some taco bowls. Because I don't eat rice, so it's like it's it's that's going. How nice is that? It's huh? like you made, made yourself your own little yeah, little little bowl. Yeah. Well, I'll have it in a, in a bowl as well, so it'd be two bowls in one. <laughs> I'm sure that's a poor film. <laughs> <laughs> You talk about, oh, well, we don't talk about that. Let's talk about that. We're on one men's two bowls. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Don't, don't look up that on YouTube. <laughs> I think the thing is, is, is what we were saying earlier on, though, at work, is because my time's limited, and I do love going to cinema, as, as I said to you, yeah, yeah. I know you said, oh, this is like what it's like for me all the time, but when I went and saw well, uh, The World's End, and I had the whole cinema to myself, yeah. 
I mean, one is fantastic because the thing that I don't like about cinemas these days, which is the reason why we go, we like going to the electric, is I don't generally like people. No, this should have been called the misanthropic podcast. I've always said that because we hate society. And and I I can say that quite happily because I know that probably 95% of the people who listen to this show listen for a reason because they like TV, film, and. and I hope so. Uh, Also, will have the same opinion because I I don't like people talking, losing their phones, and generally, and I don't like people eating popcorn as well. No. Do you know what I say about popcorn? It's people who don't like films. Yeah. Because people who like films don't want to be interrupted by noisy things. People Mm. like that. I don't go to the cinema for an occasion. I go to the cinema to watch a film. For an event. That's it. I don't, I hate event things. You know, it's like, go and watch the film. I don't care where it is, what kind of cinema, what sort of, if it's got amazing sound, I'll watch the film. I don't go and I find me out in. Yeah, why pay five pounds to have a chat? Yep. No, well, seven, seven or eight quid to have a chat. I mean, alright, fair enough talking through the adverts and that. I mean, you know, I do, I do get slightly, sometimes I'm like, if I actually haven't seen the, the trailer, but, you know, trailer in my well, mind is fair game, but yeah. as soon as that that you know border certification thing comes on the yeah. screen, as soon as that's the BBFC as comes, yeah, 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 that's it. Now, that's it. Now, yeah. shut up. It should also come with now. Shut up. Now, shut, shut up. Shut up. Otherwise, I should yeah. slap you. Saying, excuse me, can I get out? It's fair enough. Yeah, Steve was saying earlier on, our mate Steve at work, he's just come back from holiday and he's took his kids. It's slightly rain, we know, down uh, down south anyway. And they took to a lovely old picture house, and it was an old-style picture house on the plot. Mm-hmm. And they went in there, and his kids couldn't get over the fact that during the film, a bloke was walking around with a, a, a sweet and uh, yeah. you know, old-style. During, during the film, or did they have an intermission? I think it was no, it was during the film. But oh, he was like, he was, he wasn't just walking in front of the screen, standing yeah. there like. <laughs> he was like quite convenient that they, they could see him. And I thought, yeah, that's what it always remember used to be like, you know, yeah. have, a, have someone there or have an intermission at the Warwick Cinema. It was always a, an intermission. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I quite like the idea of the intermission. Yeah, I quite like it. It, it, it is very. If it's an old, a long film. If it's just like you're looking at a, yeah. a two and a half hour film. I mean, if it's, a, if it's an eighty-nine minute film, then I think you, you know you're pushing it. But a, yeah. a good couple of hours, like a Hobbit or a Lord of the Rings, you know. Shall I? Uh, shall I move on to the other one? So we uh, we we brought this uh, podcast forward because. Um, because the films come out, uh, and we thought Lindsay was fresh in our. We've been on about it for. We've been on about talk about this for a while anyway. Doing this partridge. Yeah. It's like a literary Vic Reeves one, isn't it? That's going to happen at some point. Is, well, it has happened. As I keep saying, we've already recorded it, but we've got to re-record it because <laughs> it really is dire. Uh, I think it was a Thursday job. <laughs> yeah. Um, but we decided to bring it forward. We was originally going to do Blackadder Goes Forth, which we are um, probably going to do next episode. Actually, and Pete, you're going to be on that one again. Um, <laughs> If you want to, of course. Because <laughs> I know you're in a cult. Yeah. It's like you away from your loved ones. You get, right, and you're break. You've got no family members now at all now. You're on your own. Yeah, yeah. I'm just <laughs> brought in here and made to listen to you guys. Yeah, yeah. They'll only be able to hear you. So David Koresh. Help. Yeah. Um, so before we actually talk about the, the, the role of Alan Partridge and, and we're going to talk about the individual stuff that he has done and we're going to refer to him here as in, not as a real character but just, it's just easy to say apart from just Steve Coogan before we say that um, Pete when was the first time you was introduced to Alan Partridge um, this is this is quite a clear memory for me actually it was um, I know his first radio series was 93 I think but when I arrived at university in 94 you get these freshers bags which have all kinds of stuff in it provided by National, National Union of Students including vouchers and mm. condoms and um, vouchers for condoms oh, um, yeah, th- those are the things I remember being in there anyway but there was also a <laughs> there, was, there was also a tape oh, like a cassette tape 
Oh, what? Yes. We've got, remember, we've got listeners under 30. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Cassette tape is, for anybody under 30, a cassette tape is like a CD where if it goes wrong, you can fix it with a pencil yeah. through the hole and just screw it back up. So if it goes warpy, it goes fine. Um, but on this tape was um, just a sampler of BBC comedy. And one of the items on there was um, Knowing Me, Knowing You, the radio show. So I heard that um, very early on, really. And it, it kind of went from there, really. I kind of caught up with, um, fast-forwarding a, a bit, I kind of caught a little bit more of On the Hour later on, but I, I could go back to the radio shows. But certainly Partridge being um, that kind of character really really started at that time. And it was, um, yeah, that, that was the first time it came to prominence. And Cal, yours, yours will be the same. Well, yeah, obviously you. We were uh, living in the same. <laughs> so, uh, to that you remember them heady days? <laughs> Stopping in on a Friday night, drunk guys of our mind. <laughs> I mean, just, I mean, spent all our wages on videotapes and HMVs. Yeah. Then moaning we got no money. <laughs> yeah. it, it was about, it was, well, to me, I know, you see, we disagree with this, because I know you were saying it was the day to day, but I saw no me, no you before the day to day. I'm not saying it I'm, in the I'm, real world, but I, Remember that more than I remember day to day. If I did see that, I know the day to day was before Naomi, wasn't it? We watched, I think we watched um, the day to day before um, Naomi Knowing You. No. I, I don't think yes, that. Yes, I think we did. Because, and I'll tell you the reason why. We, uh, we weren't living together at this point. Uh, before we even started, we were still at college. And we watched the day to day, the second episode of the day to day by accident. Because oh. we thought it was a proper news program. And then ignored it. <laughs> we didn't watch it again. Because he was more and like then, John Coleman in that. Anyway, uh, was yeah, it? Yeah. Well, he was and more then, like that, wasn't he? Then we watched Knowing Me Knowing You. And then we bought, I bought the videotapes. And then, and then we watched it, it to it. death. Uh, <laughs> so we, we, and then, yeah, and then we kind of got into Knowing Me Knowing You, which was like 1994. Um, but we definitely saw the day today first, but ignored it. A bit like what a lot of people did when they first saw The Office. They thought, this is just a duck drama about mm. some, you know, idiot. Well, he was saying that even when it ended, it was still only getting the office, three and a half million people watching it. Now, that shows you how big the media will big, big things up. Mm. It actually not that. It was never that big, the office. It's nothing like Mrs. Brown, bloody boys, well, or think, whatever. It's Miranda. Yeah, but I think that's... Jesus. Uh, but I think that's kind of like rolled on, and it's become... Like you get caught films, which don't make any money off their Well, I think Conan Parts is bigger now, probably yeah. than it's ever been. Definitely. I think and, it is, and, isn't and it? And it could never have been a film 15 years ago. And I think it's gotten no, bigger no. purely for the fact of, of like what Ricky Gervais turned out and said, Mid-Morning Matters has brought a lot more attention to, you know... For, well, the younger like, people, because they watch it on the yeah. laptop. That I was and, and, all, and that is so. all because of YouTube. Yeah. All because of YouTube, not because of, like, Foster's Lager as well. You know, yeah, and responsible for too. resurrecting that, that character and, um, you know, put, putting the money in where you where you were kind of left in the, in the situation where you thought that the BBC had decided not to bother. Yeah. And well, it wasn't at all, was well, it? they did that. And also there was like the Fast Show came Didn't back. really work with the Fast Show, did it? I mm. didn't see any of the Fast Show on... on I, I think the Fast Show was so of its time. It, you know, that super fast mm. comedy. Like it was well, obviously in the time. You know, I think it, that hasn't... It's not got the classic appeal, has it, of uh, a wordplay or a long monologue like you have in Partridge. That's just joke after joke after joke after joke. And it was ruined to death by everyone doing it as well, wasn't it? Yeah, that's the thing. By the time the fast <laughs> show had come, th- come through and you'd had um, 
Little Britain, I think everybody had had far too much of the kind of catchphrase comedy at that point. So to come back to something that's a bit more subtle um, and more character-based and more rich and, you know, something that just grows on you rather than something that you can necessarily repeat. I mean, you know, you start talking about Partridge and it's not so much catchphrases, but it's mm. just saying. Yeah, it's not a catchphrase. Someone was saying that. He's like, well, it's catchphrase. No, it's not a no. catchphrase. Like- and I would say as well that some people are... I think it was on Mark, Mark Mosho or something, uh, uh, turned around and said that, had been moaning that it wasn't the Partridge what they expected. Well, well it can't be because no, it no, be it's not, it's not too big. But the thing is, oh, well, we came out of the cinema and we couldn't remember what, we couldn't say any of the quotes. And we were like, well, name me a really good comedy show, a good stand-up show that you go to, and you're laughing all the way through and you come out and you go, what was it like? That was brilliant. Oh, what did you say? You don't, do you? No, you see. I can't remember. Yeah, I can't because remember. you're laughing at the time, and that's what I found with Alpha Papa. Actually, that I was laughing virtually all the way through the film. And when it came out, I was thinking, you know what? I can't remember. Not because of the fact that he was bad, but because of the fact that he was great. And my head had registered the joke, but then the next joke would come along, and I laughed. And you're right. The reason I catchphrased it, and the only, there's only one catchphrase with Alan Partridge, and that was "aha." Yeah. And that was it. And that's not really a catchphrase. And that, and that didn't even appear in the film. Now. No, no, no. no. It's long since abandoned that. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, aha was one of the first things that he registered. The the, the real curiosity to go back to the very start of it mm. was when when he got his radio show and introduced everything with knowing me, Alan Partridge, knowing you, Sue Lewis. Aha! Mm. And then there was that weird response. Yeah, yeah, it was the call and respond, and it's like even the the, the fun must have been with each of those pe- uh, actors in character being interviewed. Exactly how they responded to. The aha, and some were self-conscious, and some... Well, it's time to meet my first guest now, after I've done her introduction now. <laughs> now, Red Rum, Desert Orchid, Black Beauty, Shergar, and Mr Red. What have they got in common? Well, they're all celebrity horses. My first guest is not a celebrity horse, she's a celebrity who rides a horse. Let's see her in action. Giddy, 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 yes! Yes, I like it, yeah! Yes! Take that horse back to the stable and give it a kiss. <laughs> There's no finer way to start my series than in the company of world championship winning lady show jumping horse legend Sue Lewis. <laughs> Got a quick whiff of your perfume there, that's nice. Um, <laughs> knowing me, Alan Partridge, knowing you, Sue Lewis. Aha. Uh-huh. But even that just throws up something really funny mm. about just just that character. Well, yeah, the awkwardness of it. Your own way of introducing yeah. people, but damned if anybody's going to stop you. And also, as well, of course, at the aha thing, he's ultimately with the Abba song, mate. Well, it sums up Alan, like, Abba, it makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah. Because it was sort of naff. But really, but really, really catchy and successful. Well, it, it, it is also. I, I, I class Alan Partridge as, as the uh, as the ultimate Top Gear kind of thing because it's the Top Gear albums or anything like that. Uh, yeah, of all the kind of songs that really you're probably not meant to like, but you know them by name and you love them. Not, not, not guilty pleasure. On your own, on your own, in the car, and hence the reason why I like we've, we've got Roach with Cuddly Toy, which will be played later on. Um, but, you know, that, it is, all, I ultimately think that you, if you put Partridge on the front of a Top Gear 
CD. It's, it's a match made in heaven, I think. Oh, really. definitely, definitely. But yeah, I mean, if you, if you look, and I've got old episodes of Top Gear in the William Willard, Chris Goffey days. Oh, um, I really want to see on, that. On, on, on VHS. So I'll, I'll, I'll rescue them from VHS yeah. because that's something that you don't tend to get. Yeah, they're not going to re-release no. those on DVD, so I'll scrape them off the VHS. But if you look at what William Willard and Chris Goffey hmm. um, and even Noel Edmonds in the early days of, of Top Gear of course, are wearing, yeah. you're looking at the partridge wardrobe just in gestation, aren't you? You're looking at the, the comfortable trousers, the light sort of, light blues-on style jacket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, you're a man who does a lot of driving, not only here, but also abroad. Yes. Uh, do you actually own a pair of those uh, driving gloves? I own some driving gloves, <laughs> but they are not uh, string-back leather driving gloves. <laughs> are they, no. uh, were they bought for irony or for real? No, no, they, 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 are, they are just proper driving gloves. <laughs> <laughs> So you know, is, this point, fast, is this a point where, is this point where you know you're getting old when you feel the need to buy them, and also those bees that you put on your car seat? Then I'm not driving a mini metro. Exactly. Oh yeah, well that's yeah. <laughs> you know, you're on, that's you're really on. the sound of the taxi driver motif, isn't it? The, the beaded car seat or now, the bearded car seat. Now, now Alan, no, now Alan Partridge, uh, he's played by, of course, Stephen Coogan, born Stephen John Coogan on fourth of October, nineteen sixty-five in Lancashire. Uh, he owns a very um, productive, obviously, uh, production company called Baby oh, Cow. Absolutely. They have made loads of stuff. I'm not going to go into that of, of what they've done, but he works uh, works with Henry Normal and, of course, Armando Anucci. Uh, for that, I mean, you, if you look up Baby Cow, you'd be surprised of all the stuff they've done. Not everything has been successful, but a, a lot of the stuff is, you know, interesting. Well, I think he always made interesting stuff. Yeah. So let's talk about On the Hour. The first thing uh, On the Hour is a British radio program that parodied current affairs. Uh, it was written by Chris Murray, Samantha Renucci, Stephen Wells, Andrew Glover, Stuart Lee, Richard Herring, and David Quantic. David what an amazing lineup that is, a writer's uh, there, isn't it? Um, <laughs> he was on BBC Radio 4 between 1991 and 1992. And the cast was Coogan, Rebecca Front, Dude McKitchen, anyway, really do quite like. Patrick Marber and David Schneider, uh, these will become regular um, people. And of course, Coogan played Partridge as a sports desk uh, reporter. You can get those on uh, CD, but it's worth noting that um, there's various different versions of them. And obviously, like anything, always look at the running time so that you know you're going to get the, the full version because there's yeah. a dispute mm. between um, uh, uh, Richard Herring and, no surprise, Day, uh, Stuart Lee. And their material was actually cut from uh, sort of the first releases and was not. Um, shown on um, rebroadcast like on BBC Radio Seven. Interesting. Uh, and but okay. now that that issue has been resolved and it's all back in again. But it, it oh. must have been some kind of pretty bad fallout. But the first cassette release certainly had two programmes per side or something like mm. that, or one program per side, um, and in a, in a double cassette box. God, what a waste of space! Mm. Oh, that media. Media. <laughs> yeah, a double cassette box with yeah. one, one tape in it. <laughs> I've got a few oh, of those. Yeah. Point on this, I think that's just marketing so that it slips in nicely with all the ones in the library or something. Although when you go to the library in your high room, you get that massive plastic plastic cartons and you open it up and there's one disc in the yeah. um, That followed on, of course, with uh, Knowing Me, Knowing You with Alan Padgett on Bruce Radio 4. Now, we was at the podcasters' uh, uh, meetup at the weekend and we were talking about what we were going to be recording and Jim Moon, uh, uh, from June, he actually turned around and said that uh, No Me No New Vampire Tree, the radio series, was before the day-to-day. 
And I actually mm. totally missed it. Yeah, really I didn't automatically thought, of course, like a lot of things happen, it either comes just before the TV series or after the TV series. So I didn't know that this was before the day today. So I'm going to try and find, he did mention, what was the sketch that he said? Uh, Which is actually on the TV. Yeah, yeah. About the child genius. Yeah, the child genius. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Simon Fisher. <laughs> Welcome, welcome to knowing me, Alan Partridge, knowing you, John Fisher, aha, aha, and and you, Simon Fisher, aha, not not so loud into the microphone. <laughs> now, Simon, you are a fellow of Oxford University, and you're a child prodigy. As a child genius, what do you do? What do you actually do in the day? Well, I don't exactly do. I I I am. I, I see each day as a, as a sort of gift that is to be unwrapped, which I do in my own unique way. And, of course, you, you are very unique. Well, one cannot have gradations of uniqueness when either is or is not unique. Right. <laughs> well, no, you, you know, you're right, you're right. I mean, I mean you, you couldn't be more right. Well, one is either right or not. <laughs> well, no, you are, you're right, and, and, and so am I. Um, uh, now, John Fisher, yes. um, or Simon's dad, as you're more commonly known. Um, <laughs> Simon is obviously a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, I can see that, <laughs> see that with his little quips. But um, <clears throat> when did you first realise that Simon was abnormal? Uh, <laughs> gifted, you mean, really? A- abnormally gifted. Mm. Um, well, it's when Simon was about 14 months old. Um, I remember looking at him there in his cot, and um, I said to him, uh, who does Daddy love, Simon? Who? Who? And uh, guess what Simon said? What? Whom does Daddy love? Whom? <laughs> he picked up on my grammatical error with his very first word, and uh, that's when I knew he was going to be something special. <laughs> yeah, my, my son Fernando wasn't quite as original as that. He said, uh, he said Daddy which somehow I prefer. <laughs> of course, he, he was calling me father soon afterwards. Not daddy. Well, daddy's a vulgarisation. Oh, yeah. Oh, he yeah. says, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> John. John, do you ever sit alone at night by the fire with your head in your hands and think to yourself, God have mercy on my soul. I have spawned a monster. I... <laughs> I've created Frankenstein. No, no, no. I mean, Simon's a wonderful child. No, never, never. Well, that's nice. I'm sure that Frankenstein's parents found it within their hearts <laughs> to love him. Interjection. Uh, there is no such monster as Frankenstein. Uh, there is, actually. It's, it's, it's in a film, and it's a certificate, X. You wouldn't have seen well, it. Well, I've read the book by Mary Shelley, and Frankenstein is the name of a Genevan student who creates Frankenstein's monster. Are you any good at sport, Simon? Sport induces violence in the common man. Yeah, cobblers. I like sports and I'm not violent. You're just scared of breaking your glasses. I don't wear glasses. Well, you should. (laughs) I like sport. Um, In fact, uh, I represented my school at uh, the London School Swimming Championships when I was 15. Um, Your bronze medal will probably come in a bit handy because, you know, if if, uh, Simon fell into a canal, you could dive in and save him. Yes, I certainly could. I wouldn't be so stupid as to fall in. No, but you might get pushed in. (laughs)
you mean, Mr. Partridge, is that you think that I deserve to be pushed in the canal. So if you think I do, then who do you think should push me in? Who? Who? Whom? Whom? Uh, no, uh, in, in this context, whom, which is the uh, accusative dative, is not applicable. Is he right? Yes, he's right. <laughs> Why don't you just say what you mean, which is that you would like to push me into a canal, Mr. Partridge? All right, then. I, Alan Partridge, <laughs> would like to push you, Simon Fisher, into a very deep, disused canal. There, it's not so difficult, is it? No. In fact, I feel a lot better, thank you. Thank you very much. Be very honest. I, sir, to be honest as this world goes, is to be one man picked out of 10,000. That's very worthy of Shakespeare, that. Very good. It is Shakespeare. Well, it's, well, it's, well, it's better than that. It's worthy of the great bard. <laughs> Hamlet. Simon yes, Hester, yes. Please. I saw it with Alan Rickman. Who did you see it with? My wife, Carol. <laughs> no, no, no. Who's playing the lead? Hamlet. Uh, oh, yes, the great actor Bert Hamlet. Simon, no, which on, actor was playing the now. lead? Um, uh, yes? Bernard Cribbins. <laughs> well, I don't know. It was a long time ago. It was before you were born. You wouldn't remember it. Have you seen Citizen Kane? Yes, I've watched every episode. Power to the people. Yeah. Have you seen Beauty and the Beast? Yes. John Cocteau's? No. Have you read Metamorphosis? Yes. Who's it by? No, I haven't read it. I've... Have you read any Dickens? No. Do you go to the bank? No. Can you no. play chess? No. Do you know any Russian? Uh, no. What, what, what about you? I'll you. Anything. Right, right, you. Have, have you got any pubic hair? <laughs> No, I'm 37 and I've got plenty. All right? Can you do this? Ah. Uh, no, because my voice has Exactly. Broken. Don't forget it. And, and, and uh, one more. Are you a boy or a girl? I'm a boy. Really? My name's Simon. Really? It could be Simone. Could be Simone because you no, sound no, like no. a girl. I'm a boy and my yeah, name is Simon. Yeah. You've, you've got something on your shoulder there. <laughs> oh, no, you've gone too <laughs> far. You really I apologize. No, I'm sorry. It's I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done it. I shouldn't have done it. I'm sorry. My mistake. Apologies. I'm not very good with kids. It's <laughs> Carol's. I've got a bad right. temper. But you are a little shit. <laughs> that said, that said, thank you for coming on the show. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the Fishers. Because that was, um, I think that was Doom McKeegan playing the child genius as well. Ah. Now, the um, child genius thing, that was actually a parody of. You remember that? Kid who was on Wogan who had the really tight blonde curly hair, narrow woman, I believe. Yeah, who's going in Celebrity Big Brother this week? You're kidding me, really? I, yeah. Oh my lord. Yeah, yeah. Proper. Shouldn't say freak, but was a freak. <laughs> it was a freak at the bow tie. This is James, somebody. Isn't yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Nay Lauren, antiques somebody. expert. What's the name? He was like eight, yeah. and he knew all the. He was like. He didn't become a woman, and then he had a gambling and addiction, and then he was on Celebrity Big Brother. Full circle. Fantastic. It shows what happens when you have a precocious child. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're just free. Now, because they're, they're all them kind of children, they all have breakdowns and things anyway, but they go fucking wild. Because I've never had to. Not means a lot. Not means a lot that when you're six. Nah. Meant to be playing and things. And you knew, you kind of knew that something were quite right. With that you never thought it would have become a woman, though. Woman, you? fella, woman, lady, bloke, whatever. You I don't know if it's the full. Monty. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey. Um. So what did you say in Bangkok? Oh, I saw the Golden Temple, man. Beautiful it was. Tell me about the Lady Boys. <laughs> oh, anyway. If you know who that is, look him up. Pair him up. But, um, Eat. Anyway. Reminds me of, uh, it should be in the Conservative Party as well. 
I bet, yeah, I bet he was. Bet he, like that, William Hague, wasn't he? Oh, no, he was. No, yeah, he, William Hague's classic moment was winning a baseball cap, weren't he? <laughs> that was such a classic <laughs> moment, wasn't he? On that log flew with his uh, funky Tories. That's when they turned the funky Tories, weren't they? Oh, or hit Tories. Grief, then yes. the thought, now nah, leave that. That's when they were going up against the the young hip Tony Blair. Yeah, yeah. And thought we'll need we'll need a gimmick. <laughs> Hang on, how about a hat? <laughs> and I, I have to quote David Bedil at this point, who, who was talking about John Major, and he says he's the kind of guy when you see him inspecting a building site wearing a hard hat, you go, it looks a bit of a twat of that hat, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, and, then, yeah. and then you realise it's not the hat. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's exactly right, isn't it? Yeah. So, knowing me, knowing you did the uh, radio series, uh, there's only one series of that and six episodes uh, from 1st of December 1992 to the 5th of January 1993, again using the same cast that was in On the Hour. After that was the day today. Now, we've talked about the day today when we did um, the satire. satire. But you go, because that's where. You know, everyone talks about how great it was. It was Dice Day, it's a classic series. It's still fantastic. But it, no, it really is, it's not dated. No. You know, but, you know, but it was, it, this is where Alan Partridge's got his star come from. Because everyone would talk about that series, would quote the Alan Partridge bits and it would like, like a footlock attraction engine and yeah. shit. Shit, you see back that? Isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, we uh, said we was not going to do that. And it's a special desk of sport this week as we look forward to all the sporting action that will take place in this year's 1994 World Cup Finals in America in Alan Partridge's World Cup Countdown to 94. Goal! Yes, 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 yes! That was a goal! That was liquid football! Uh. Shit! Did you see that? He must have a foot like a traction engine! Goal! But you did that, you can't help it because it was set up like that, wasn't yeah. it? These little bites were like, you know, like sports reporters always have a little stuck phrase, don't they? They all use them. I think the thing is, as well, what was great about it, just a little bit of info about the day today, there was only six episodes of day today. And what always sticks in my mind with it, apart from for how brilliant Chris Morris is and how much well, Chris Chris is, he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a genius, isn't he? He just, he just yeah. really is, isn't he? I mean, this is, I mean, we, yeah, 23rd January, yeah, sorry, January to February 1994, it was first, um, first broadcast. But you go back and watch it now and quickly turn over and watch Fox News. No, oh, I watch Fox News? It's, oh, I love Fox mm. News. It is the day to day. It's that walking around everywhere. Yeah. Another thing is loads and loads of graphics. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Fox well, News has seen them. Coil them on. BBC News started to try and do that by roving the camera around the desk to try and get it with the graphics in the background. Oh. And considering they made this program, they still can't do it properly on BBC News because the bloody picture or the, the graphics in the background will overlap. And you just think it's just, it's just awful. I think, and it's probably quite easy to check, I think the day-to-day won a BAFTA for graphics. Oh, right, it wins a Did it? Yeah, and, and I, th- I think it won a technical BAFTA for for that very thing. I'm, I mean, I'm not sure if it has any other... 
awards. I don't know if it would have got best comedy in a, well, he in a did. time when he won a lot. Of, I mean, I've only got it was a really, that. It he wasn't won. a massively watched show, though. No, was he, he did, really he did win quite a lot of awards, including Marvis, who won the 1994 British Comedy Award for best newcomer. Uh, which I don't think he went up and collected. Now, the day today was uh, was vote uh, again by uh, Maurice Inucci, Stephen Wells, Andrew Glover, Stuart Lee and Richard Herring again, David Quanti, and of course the cast. Uh, Liam Herring were replaced, um, for the second time, uh, by Graham Linehan and Arthur Matthews. Just amazing, right? Uh, Peter Bainham was also there writing it, of course, yeah, who yeah. does become very important. Well, Peter um, Bainham is, is a name I was looking up on the way here. Um, because he, he is very, very important. Mm. Um, yeah. As, uh, as I'm He's sure, as I'm sure we'll go to come along. Yeah, yeah because he was um, he, he was on the Leon Herring show, wasn't mm. he? He was on yeah. Fist of Fur. Um, I picked one in there, and there's some beautiful old tape of him doing a character called Mr. Bookstead <laughs> when he still used to perform. Um, if, if, if I can dig that out, I'll find yeah. it for you. It was when I was at university that I met a man who was a great influence on me, Mr. Buxted. He was very worried for me, for my welfare, you know, if I had enough to eat, was I warm enough? He even gave me this old electric filament heat, you know, those old ones he wrapped up in cellophane and everything and uh, soaked in paraffin. No, no, because apparently it works better that way. <laughs> That's what he says. So here he is, Mr. Buxted. <laughs> Absolutely lovely to see you, Mr. Buxton. Absolutely lovely. Sod off, creep. <laughs> Silla Black is dead. <laughs> Poor dead Silla. She passed away not three nights ago when, on returning from an evening on the town, she reached the front door of her house, but lurking quiet as a mouse in the porch, a thing not human, a beast devoid of all emotion, rank with the stench of a thousand years of hatred. Silla's blind date. <laughs> Silla turned the key in the lock of the outer door, then pushed the door inwards, but waiting in the dark for Silla, that cold and foul and heartless killer. Me. <laughs> With a 25-pound sledgehammer. <laughs> surprise, surprise, Silla! <laughs> Step inside, love. <laughs> then hammer down upon her head, Silla black, now Silla red. <laughs> and as she lay there in the mud, she lost a lot, a lot of blood. <laughs> Thank you. One of the most sensitive pieces there. From my forthcoming anthology of poetry, sticks and stones may break my bones, but I've got your children. <laughs> My name, kiddies, is Mr. Buxted. Another poem? Oh, all right, then. <laughs> Togetherness. A wedding can be a wondrous affair. Christmas, too, all the family there. A reunion fills all with joy, I'll declare. But nothing brings a large group of people together quite so efficiently as a motorway pile-up in dense fog. <laughs> On a northbound stretch of the M46. <laughs> Death, nature's little way of telling us to sod off. <laughs> Death took my poor daddy when I was but a child. Ah. 
I killed him. <laughs> but then, as I've always said, you have to be cruel to commit appalling acts of the utmost brutality against your own parents. <laughs> I knew from the day I picked up the phone and said, Go away and leave me alone. Stop ringing this place. Stop wasting my time. I wish you were dead. Now get off the line. Just go slit your wrists or jump in the sea. You're finished. You're lost. Now just let me be. Yes, I knew from the day that I screamed on the phone, Go and drink hemlock. Go and die all alone. <laughs> that my days with the Samaritans were almost certainly numbered. <laughs> Yesterday, I was walking along the street when I encountered a young gentleman holding up a red plastic tin and a label on the front which said, please help blind people. Okay, I said, and threw half a pint of nitric acid in his face. <laughs> that seemed to help blind him. <laughs> Ironic, really, that my latest job application should have been successful. I admit, even I never saw myself as a nanny. <laughs> Little Julian wouldn't put his toys away. I said, listen, Julian, you'd better put your toys away, otherwise we might have to play that game that we played with your sister Helen just before she went off to live with Grandma and Jesus in the ground. <laughs> what was that game called now? Oh, yes, that's it. Sonic the Hedge Trimmers. <laughs> Poor little Julian, never to reach puberty. <laughs> Actually, I did kiss a girl once. I surmised that it was something rather akin to having a live epileptic slug in my mouth. <laughs> then I realized I did have a live epileptic <laughs> Hardly surprising as my girlfriend had been dead for several months. <laughs> Shouldn't have stolen my pencil case, should she? <laughs> Mr. Buxford, what a lovely man. Um, I don't think he's been on... No, I think he's been on... He was a, he was a, he was a, a TV... Un, um, Iron Man and Partridge, wasn't he the TV producer along with Simon Pegg? He was the TV with the canal bit. Yeah, with the the, 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 the the throat voice yeah, 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 yeah. thing. Yes, <laughs> Doctor No Vocal Cords. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Before we leave the day today, what's your favourite? What's your favourite section? Not necessarily Alan Partridge, but what's your favourite section out of the day today, or favourite sketch, if you want to call it that? Um, I'll nominate two things. I'll 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 nominate the bureau. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For the, yeah, for the rolling, that, yeah. which is a brilliant cougar. I'm shutting down. I'm shutting down. And I'll also do, and, and probably because this, this predates The Office, I will also mention The Pool. Oh, yeah, but yeah, we oh, used oh. to quote that all the time. Because that was a fly on the, fly on the wall, very yeah, straight laced yeah. documentary about a pool, which was incredibly dull. And you know, I, I, th I think I think that just must have stuck as, mm. a, as a format. But it was just beautiful. The yeah. because not not only was it incredibly funny, it was also incredibly true. 
about how you feel and how you get treated when you go to a municipal pool. Yeah, and it's also yeah, yeah. where the guy yeah, yeah, loses yeah. his key and he's standing there in his trunks. <laughs> All right. Well, he just walks up. <laughs> you can imagine that. But yeah, 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 yeah. I've, had, I've had that happen where I've locked, I can't get the locker open. Always nowadays it's all like the your push button ones, isn't it? It's a code, and I know what the code is. And you try and put it in, and you go, it's not working. And there's no one about, it and you're thinking, oh, don't tell me I've got to walk out <laughs> into the restaurant. Really. Kel, what's your what's your standout thing for a day? Well, it's I, I love all the interactions between the characters, like anything with uh, Brian O'Hanrahan. Oh, 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 <laughs> anything with that was just amazing because I love News Night, and that's Clark. That mm. that's oh, the Brian slip. That is how Thingy speaks to him, isn't it? Uh, you mean Paxman? Paxman speaks to people like the dirt, doesn't it? Mm. Hmm. He well, does, doesn't he? I know that's his stick now, doesn't he? he? Does, I don't think he's meant to. He just comes across that. He's really impatient, hmm. and I just love it. And I love that. I love that with that, and I love the war. Yeah, because I just love it's the way war. it all went. Yeah. The way they planned it. The way it's a TV station, we're ready for a war, and the way everything, and everyone's just walking, storming. Yeah. I love all that. I love all the little bits in and it. And the way the graphics are ready to go. Yeah, yeah, everything's right. right. I just love all the little news anchors they keep having on. They're just brilliant. Well, you mentioned one's, I think it's Peter Hanrahan. Peter Hanrahan. And I love that bit where he's, he's trying to interview the minister, the same guy actually plays the guy who's in his, his trunks. Oh, yes. And, and he just, he just casually walks off. And he goes, where's he gone? He goes, he's over there. He goes, go get him. Yeah. And he goes, he's in a taxi. He goes, Peter, you've lost the news. <laughs> It's just been announced there's to be a special inquiry into the government's handling of the Froome shipping deal which flew to pieces last month amid accusations of gross ministerial misconduct. Our economics correspondent, Peter O'Hanrahan, is with the Minister for Ships, Michael Crane. He's just prized him out of an emergency meeting. I'm with the Minister for Ships, That's Michael Crane. That's everything I've just said comes spewing straight back out of his stupid slab of a face. Mr Crane, choppy waters for the government. Not at all, Peter. Um, this procedure was entirely proper, and I think the inquiry will prove that the government's handling of this matter was entirely proper. So the government's ship back on course? Absolutely. Back to you, Chris. Peter, what the hell was that? This man's made a big-scale cock-up here. You let him get away with it. Now, let me speak to him. Put your earpiece next to his head and stand still. Now, Minister, there's reason to believe that you lied to the House. How do you answer that? Well, that is a very serious and unfounded allegation, and I'll be making a statement to the House based on the preliminary inquiry next week. A week is a long time in politics. Rab Butler. Shut up, Peter. Now, Minister, did you or did you not lie to the House? I will be making a full statement to the House next it's week. It's a simple question, yes or no. Did you or did you not lie? I, um... As the Minister for Ships sprawls on the pin, it's back to you, Chris. No, it isn't, Peter. He's about to answer the question. He's about to admit to lying to the House. You've let him get away again. Where's he gone? Over there. Well, get him back. He's in a cab. Peter, you've lost the news. What are you going to say? Sorry. Look like you mean it. Look down at the ground and say sorry. I'm sorry. Peter, next time you cross the road, don't bother looking. Sorry. Should we talk about Empire? Back to apologies. Yeah. Anyway, but what you're saying there is right, though, that uh, no, I think everyone's so scared of doing it. I, I still think you probably could do one. If they're good enough writers, but the problem is, we ain't got writers like that anymore, have we? Who is that? Writers, yeah. but it's, yeah. like, it's like Pete said, though, because news hasn't changed. So no, where, where do you go? You, it's okay parodying something. It's like, well, you it's, can't parody... Well, the only thing they didn't anymore. have then is they didn't have the 24-hour news. Mm. That's what I'd take over now, is the way that... If I look, I'm a bit of a news junkie, I watch loads of news, and the way they're constantly trying to get 
so much out of this, slightly storing and dragging it out. But Charlie mm. Brooker talks about that a lot in his programmes, isn't he? Yes, yeah, so he Scott. But that 24 news service, I still think there's something in there. Mm. Someone doing the news at like three in the morning, mm. a news anchor who's bought in and only works at like three to four to five in the morning when no one's watching it. But I'm going to bring this back to the Know Me Know You Know, which is the TV series. That is actually the kind of like the white, the, the, the stretching out of a, a, of a section is virtually in the first episode of Know Me Know You, the TV series, about Roger Moore. You know, yeah, yeah, where yeah. is he? He's just gone past, uh, you know, Tombridge Services or something like that. <laughs> and he's but all the way through the programme, he's stretching his thing out to the point where Roger Moore's going to be there. And of course, as we know, Roger Moore doesn't turn yeah. up. Big synopsis here of No Me, No New TV series. Uh, we've had a departure, of course. Um, broadcast beginning on 16th of September 1994, and also, of course, a Christmas special. Again, only six series of No Me, No New. Um, the title song was done by Abba, of course, Coogan coming back playing Partridge. Um, wrote again by Steve Coogan and Marjorie Nucci, who, of course, he produced the radio version, and Patrick Marber. Mm. Patrick Marber, of course, comes very, uh, I'm sure you're talking about Patrick Marber, Pete, later on. Again, using the cast from the previous shows, so which I think is quite nice about they're using, and that they all play recurring characters, well, not recurring characters, but characters that are different. They come on, they play the one character. They go off again a little bit later on, they'll come back. So comedy used to be like in the fifties, you'd have a repertoire theatre and you'd have your have you'd have your your, your cast, wouldn't you? All that that's how it used to always be, didn't it? People playing loads of different kinds of people. They weren't bothered that because you know it's not meant to be real. So mm. it doesn't matter as long as it's funny. Now, so, I've just made just realised there's a connection. I'm not sure you'd probably have to check the dates. But in terms of comedy characters on a chat show. I'm thinking of the Peter Cook episode of uh, Clive Anderson Talks Back. Oh, yes, because that was a... Oh, yeah, actually, with all these different characters. Mm. It, yeah, it was, a, it was four, I think, four different characters yeah. in one show, mm. and I think that was early in 94. So I think we're a bit spoiled for comedy Could chat. Have been, because didn't, yeah. he die, didn't he die in 97? 95. 94, 94 really? 95. Wow. So it was in I the think, early <laughs> But um but yeah, I'm, I'm just thinking there's, you know, the, as you say, there's very few situations in which somebody will keep coming back and doing different characters it's in the same it, it, Did you, you say Clive Anderson then? Yeah, no, it's alright. It's because I was I watched that actually not long ago and um, I was watching Clive James afterwards. Well, yeah, some reason yeah. I just had Clive James in my head because I'm, <laughs> I'm addicted to Clive James. And yeah, I am not. No, but you are right. It's just, it's a long forgotten about comedy. It, it, you know, you don't get that anymore. Mm. They will just have like the star and people you don't really care about. Well, nowadays any kind of chat show basically is just somebody coming on to pitch their. You know, as years yeah. ago, you would have okay, they may have some like But I mean, you you'd get David Niven on, or you'd get you know Kenny Williams come on, and it'd be anecdotes about their past. Well, no, the thing you is, but you get like I remember the classic one on. Uh, Parkinson was Richard Harris when he went on and he did his poetry. He had nothing to do. He just went on and did his poetry and mm. read the books. Mm. No, you would never get that anymore, would you? You just wouldn't no. get it. It's just driven by a bit of a PR agenda, really, you know, that, that it coincides with all the film releases. And yeah, mm. normally there is somebody there who's got something to plug. You know, they, some of them do better at disguising it than others. But yeah, yeah. Some of them don't talk about it and do something else and then flash their book up. At the I end. think the best are on that, I always think. The best way, well, they're okay in that. It seems weird to say this. But I think some of the most natural interviews are on bloody Top Gear because they'll go on to talk about whatever they don't really care. They want to talk about cars. Yeah, I think, it, you know, just you know, the, the, the well, you know, actually to do a challenge as well. And if you if you're if you think you're really shit at driving, 
the last thing you want to do is to make yourself look an arse yeah, yeah. going around the ring, don't you? The end of that. <laughs> and they've had some really good guests on the that. I mean, you don't like, watch the top game now, do you? you um, like... I, I, I do, but I don't talk about it. No, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think they've had some fabulous <laughs> guests this, uh, this, well, the last series. Again, another, another show that seems to only have five episodes. No, 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 yeah, there was some sort of people who get away from this. And, you, you know, people have got longer attention spans than six weeks. You know, I wish really that's that Richard Hammond as well. That's oh, let's not get into your Richard Hammond. So, uh, yeah, know me, knowing you. Uh, did really well in the BAFTAs and British Comedy Award. Now, um, Steve Brown provided the show's musical arrangements. And, of course, he also appreciated as Glenn Ponder. Uh, the uh, which is an anagram of porn legend. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now I'm going to read out here um, the episodes, the sixth, well, the seven episodes, of course, including the um, the the Christmas special side. So I'm going to read these out. So please jump in if, if one, because I'm going to these are the guests that were on the show. So as soon as I read the name, the, the, the name might actually click. Yeah, yeah. I will so, just say though, before before we get into this, this mm. list, largely because we're no longer in touch. I was with my girlfriend at the time. We put this on. And we got about 20 minutes into the show. And then she looked over at me and said, this man's awful. <laughs> <laughs> now, I think loads of people thought it was real. It was quite a common thing at the time. And it, 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 that's, the, that's the wonderful bit about it. It's, yeah. it's, you know, if you're not really concentrating, mm. if, it's on the, if it's on the kitchen and you're preparing dinner or something, then you really could at the time mistake this yeah. for, for something that's real. Because at the same time, in, in the background, you had people like, um, Alan Titchmarsh yeah. doing doing a chat show um, and people like that and so it wasn't and really tell you as abstracted from reality as it appears yeah, to and be and I'll tell you who also did a chat show like that but I know he's class but who did who could be like that but do you remember the first series of the Frank Skinner the chat show oh, yeah, yeah. where you'd have people like the Shaken Vat Woman on and he'd have really oddballs on and that could be like that because mm. he'd bring it was good because Frank Skinner is one of the most naturally funny people in the, he's just quick yeah. And, but he brought on people like that that were sort of famous and that's when you thought like, are these people real? Mm, and that mm. would then you're right because that is the thing because like he said if you knew about it because mm. I think we, I remember Weezy going did you see that show last night? I remember we saying it. Well Vic Reeves was like that wasn't it where we was at school and turned yeah. around and went like that and, but the funny thing is, is that you're saying about uh, if someone just comes in and watches it and don't get I think that's what the it's very rare you find parents who like this kind of thing because they automatically assume that it is a real program, and I, and I know my mum and dad just didn't just didn't thought that this is awful mm. for the same thing thing as like you ex yeah, yeah. Oh, this is awful! You know, it's terrible. And the same like thing, it just sometimes just. Well, the punchlines in it was that it, you know, you know, comedy was changing. That you mm. know, the alternative had gone through, and all these young commit all that grew up with joke with sketches and jokes with no punchlines, mm. and that and so it was getting into that. You know, I think the older generation. This is still there because it loves Mrs. Brown, boys, which is build up joke. Build up joke punchline. Miranda, isn't it? Someone will walk around, walk it, she'll walk in, she'll fall over. So these are, these, yeah. these are the episodes, okay? So uh, first episode, Glenn Ponder and Chalet, there's of course the pan. Chalet. Our guests were Sue Lewis, a very door show jumper. Who <laughs> refused to jump the jump. Yeah, yeah. Keith Hunt, a uh, new host of This Is Your Life. Now, I love that's the bit where he, he goes, uh, he shows that, right? There's a newspaper article on that. And he goes, he, he goes, oh, thanks for being that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shona McGough and a Brucey punk singer. Uh, Keith's son, uh, Shona Band, of course, Roger Moore, whose voice was done by Steve Cogan. Coogan. Oh. Uh, second episode, Glenn Condor and Debonair. Debonair. Uh, 
guess yeah, it's weird. This is it. It is the words, the isn't it? Things, isn't it? That's the thing about Partridge. You, you know, a word that's not funny because you know it comes from me. You can imagine him saying it. There ain't many people who could just say a word and be funny. <laughs> no, that's true. And it's, it's it's things like it's things like that. I know as we go through the list of. Um, of band names it goes to the point where you start realising these are really naff things yeah, yeah. Uh, there was a there was an interview conducted with Coogan at the time which I remember reading he said he was in makeup for the show and the makeup girl looked at his wrist and went oh Gucci watch perfect absolutely tasteless that's, a, that, that's mine <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. but you realise people were starting to hook into the slight naffness yeah. of everything Partridge uh, the one on here, the funny thing is, looking at these actually, I'm starting to laugh because I'm in Bolaya. Uh, yeah, Glenn Ponder and Debonair, and the guests were Tanya Bowman, an actress, and Gary Barker, a washed up actor, who is also Tanya's husband. Tony Lemesma, the magician. No, that's just. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, Daniela Forrest, a transsexual playboy columnist, played, of course, by Mini Driver. Uh, yeah, yeah. like a goalkeeper. Yeah, you forget that, actually, yeah. And a sailor with a facial tip. Well, John Thompson had he was, he was he knew a lot of Coogan stuff at the beginning, wasn't he? Because he was like uh, in uh, Paul Calf, yeah, fat blobby bastard, wasn't that? Was his mate, wasn't it? <laughs> 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 fat yeah, fat blob, yeah, fat blob, yeah. Uh, episode three, Glenn Ponder and Ferrari. Ferrari, exactly. Ferrari can't live that down. No. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, there was uh, Gina Langland, the singer. Lawrence Knowles, a sleazy promoter. Uh, Clive Seeley, which is Lawrence's uh, dermatologist. The Olympic Golden Girls of 1936 and Hot Pants. No, no, it's got, classic, like, it's got the classic line in where uh, it's got Jesse Owens is waving at Hitler. He don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> it's all them little big thing at that scene. Oh, no. Because, like, I have a drink. Because I read a brilliant thing recently what uh, Stephen Coo said about it. He said, oh, uh, are you Partridge? He said, well, no, Partridge is me. Mm. It's not that way around. He said, I'm not, Partridge is not, tr- he's trying to be me. Yeah. And that's how he does it. Because loads of people have said, there's not load of difference between them, really. No, is we, that, we're not programs like, like a stand-up tour. There was loads of stuff. Oh, yeah. You pointed one out, didn't you, where he came out of the fans and pointed at something. As well. No, but it was just the way he come out. Did you see that on Scott Atlantic when had him true in Australia, Steve Cooper? His tour, he's oh, behind no, the scenes. It was really, really good, wasn't it? He did that, yeah. But there was a brilliant bit. Hello. There was a brilliant bit where he come out and the way he went, oh, look at them two podiums, they're not right. Yeah. And only he noticed that they'd been moved an inch forward. <laughs> and I thought, that's Partridge, isn't it? That's Partridge, isn't it? Because that's him. It's like... Are you? I love the trip. You're watching. I'm rewatching the trip at the moment. Oh, great! It's you know. I think that's up there with Partridge. You know, and I think in the future it's going to be looked back how amazing it is. I wonder what the film version looks like. That because they edited it in America as a film. The TV I love it. Well, the, the second series is filmed in it in Italy. It's coming out next year. Great. But it, 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 again, he ain't far off Partridge, isn't it? Is he? No. It really, really isn't the way he's really insecure because that's going to be Partridge. He makes out his confidence, but he's really insecure about himself, really, isn't he? Yeah, that's true. And I think it comes through in films where he's not being partridge, things like The Parole Officer, where just a few times in that film you go, oh, that was a bit partridge. It's like in that new one, isn't it? Look at Love, I haven't saw that yet, when he's playing Paul Raymond. They reckon mm. half of that is like partridge. Which because is, he, he's no. him, isn't he? He can't help it. That's his... I watched that Hamlet 2 
last week oh, with his American accent in it <clears throat> and he was still coming across like Partridge <laughs> even with an American accent because it's just the way he looks and the mm-hmm. way he acts mm-hmm. that's you know it isn't because I've always known when they write Partridge who writes the dialogue um, is that his dialogue or right. is that a group people I think it's a mix isn't it I think he, I think like a lot of these things where they, they have a basic script they go in they rehearse it and then of course they adapt the script to the rehearsals he does inhabit the character though when yeah. he's he dresses up doesn't well, he when, it, when he's performing and when he's kind of recording he never goes out of character mm. um, which is apparently is bloody exhausting yeah because yeah, you've just got to keep that up absolutely all the time um, but yeah I mean even when he's doing um Autographs for the for the book last oh, year. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, my, my sister went along and got his autograph. Um, and but anyway, he was being partridge in front of crowds for three hours. Oh, it's amazing, but, that, but, but, yeah. but he but obviously he knew everything that Partridge was saying. How, yeah. how Partridge would direct it. Well, that's the, that, but that's it. That is the thing, isn't it? Because he's so quick now. We can make even a mistake. That was on. That yeah. wasn't it. When the the microphone, but there's a bit in this in the live show. Yeah. He's doing partridge and. Because he's getting into it, he drops the mic off, doesn't it? You can't hear it. And he comes back, and he comes back on, and he even tells the, the, the announcer to turn the fucking microphone up. But he does it like parches, and it's bang on, and people are laughing at it because they think it's part of the well, show. That, that was quite a cringy moment because he's like literally off stage for about. It seems oh, like yeah, it seems like, like you know, they say, even a minute seconds. on's dead air or whatever. Yeah, but they're just trying to get the microphone, and you can see him getting it. Because he's, getting, he's like, he's a perfectionist, mm, isn't he? Yeah. But he comes out and he saves it by saying, put the bring back on like Partridge yeah, yeah you <laughs> and I thought there ain't many characters that you can, can be so fluid is that no no. There, you know I can't think of any character that's really really fluid on that note we'll say hello to Emma which has got a regular guest on her wobble on there <laughs> cracking open a tenant super there yeah. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> but yeah alright episode 4 Glen Ponder and Savoir Faire <laughs> the French edition uh, with Yvonne Boyd fashion designer with odd ideas Philippe Lambert the famous chef Jeff. Yeah, which is so right now. The way she, you know, then that was seen as a funny joke. You'd have a, a chef being really pretentious talking about pretentious food. Now they're all on bloody chat shows talking about pretentious food. Mm. The the nice thing here is that um, on the radio equivalent of this show, he had a he had a racing driver, he had a French racing driver, which and you know Coogan's a bit of a car, but mm, anyway. Yeah, yeah. But he 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 did this this beautiful bit where he would say. Um, you know, um, do, do you mind doing chat shows? And this guy would say, "Oh no, no, it's all, it's all good. I get sick of the same questions, though." And uh, <laughs> and uh, Partridge said, "So what's it like being a racing driver?" <laughs> the guy said, "Yes, exactly." He said, "Yes, exactly. What is it like?" <laughs> but yeah, that was a bit of a loss. I'd like to have seen. That yeah, rather that than the him. chef, I think they substituted that when uh, it came, yeah. came to TV. Uh, episode was uh, Glenn Ponder and Lazarus. Uh, we've uh, this is the uh, uh, election edition. We've well, this is the I think this is the the show that everyone really remembers the most is because it's the bloody ball brummies. Well, wow, yeah, this was uh, <laughs> yeah, everyone remembers that bit because it's just such an amazing bit, isn't it? Charlotte Fraser, who's Labour, Martin Dwyer, alias Lieutenant Colonel Kojak Slaphead the Third, ball brummies against the Big Footy Conspiracy Party. Adrian Finch, uh, Conservative, and Terry Norton, oh, I'm sorry, and also uh, guessing was Terry Norton, the dodgy boxing promoter, played by Alan Ford. Now, Terry. Murderer! You killed my son! That was what the mother of, of the 
garroted nightclub owner of Leicester Square said to you as you left court, having been cleared of the murder of her son, her only son, <laughs> the, the garroted nightclub owner of Leicester Square. Did, did those words hurt? Well, of course. Uh, yes, I was in Leicester Square that night, but as was proved in court, I was hailing a cab at the time it happened. Absolutely. Well, we've now got a reconstruction of that night <laughs> using professional actors, some of whom have appeared in The Bill and Minder. <laughs> now, Terry, that night in Leicester Square, was it something like this? Taxi! <laughs> Is that how it was? Well, yeah, more or less, yeah. Right, because at the time, there were some people who said it happened like this. <laughs> Taxi! <laughs> That's how it didn't happen. Uh, what, what, what's that? that? That was how it didn't happen. No, no. That is a couple of punches mincing about talking rubbish. Touched the nerve there, intriguing. <laughs> I could have gone down by this. It was dealt with by the law courts. The matter is finished, it's over, it's dead and buried. Rather like the garage. I don't muck about it. <laughs> You're getting out of your depth, Alan. People get out of their depth, they end up drowning. It's, it's, calm down, well, it's you, just a chat show. Do you want to get involved? Do you want to get involved in this world? Nightclub owners in Leicester Square get garroted, ammonia in the boat. Because if you want to get involved, I'll get you involved, son. You want to get sucked in, I'll suck you in. <laughs> I'll suck you in so far, you get blown out the other side. <laughs> Wipe that soppy look up your gormous face. <laughs> Do you want to get sucked in? I don't, I don't want to get sucked in. <laughs> well, then you tell these ladies and gentlemen what that was all about. There was a couple of ponces mentioned about talking rubbish. There's going to be a clip of that in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and five Miss Norwich contests, Barbara Durkin plus four uncredited. Uh, Ronald Biggs, Liberal Democrat, and Felix Dexter, dead, but appeared in the coffin with his family. I love that bit with the... Uh, the, the That's his like, moustache in that, isn't it? The beauty it? pageant, oh, when yeah. he's doing the commentary, and it's so brilliant. It's the way he gets that woman. She has a 36-inch bust. It's that. That isn't it. was much another thought. Yeah, only Alan Parches did. Or Stephen could say, bust. Yeah. And make it funny. Because it's such an old-fashioned word that no one says, and it's the way he's arguing with the argument with the thing. He's going to shut up, to shut up. <laughs> uh, episode six was Glen Ponder and Bangkok. Bloody uh, McMahon. No, yeah, no. It's got to be. No, you're going to make it because when he's a lot of people because when he goes because of the uh, you've dropped your law action and we're allowed to see each other. It's when he first finds out that his guy's in the Glen Ponder. Yeah. It's just an amazing bit because he puts him up on that platform and he finds out about his partner. Well, get me down quick. <laughs> but there is funny things, isn't it? Because throughout the whole of Alan Partridge, there's insinuations that he could be bisexual. Throughout the whole of Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah guests on this one was uh, Brady McMahon, yeah. a lesbian Brady host of the McMahon. show to take Alan's place, Forbes McAllister, the cynical restaurant critic for the spectator, of course, um, Alan shoots him dead at the end. Mm. Uh, Wanda Harvey, Bride's lesbian co-host. Um, the Alan Partridge playmates, the Macmillan brothers, irritating child filmmakers, Joe Beasley. And, of course, cheeky monkey, awful ventriloquist actor. Well, let's take a break from uh, all this chat and have a little light relief. Fifteen years ago, I was on a ho-season's holiday in Bournemouth and I went to the summer cabaret. It was pretty mediocre. Then one man came on and raised the roof. He made me laugh quite literally like a drain. 
After the show, I went backstage and I said to him, I'm Alan Partridge. If I ever get my own TV series, I promise to give you a big break. Remember, this is 15 years ago. Well, tonight I intend to honour that pledge by introducing a very special entertainer. Hold on to your sides, they might just split. As I welcome on Joe Beasley and Cheeky Monkey. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, my name's Joe Beasley, and hey, this is Cheeky Monkey, ladies and gentlemen. Well, it's a great privilege to be here on the Alan Partridge Show, knowing me, knowing you, and I was thinking to myself in the dressing room, that's an Abba song, isn't it, ladies and gentlemen? So here's a little joke, right? What do you get if you cross Fred Flintstone? Uh, no, not what if you cross. Uh, what do you, what do you get if you, um, what does a Swedish, what does a Swedish Fred Flintstone say? Yabba dabba doo! No, he says, oh, abba dabba doo! Abba dabba doo, that's what he says. Um, so, then, uh, hey, other week, pack it in you. The other week, stop it. The other week, me and Cheeky Monkey, we went to Blackpool Pleasure Beach, right? And at Blackpool Pleasure Beach, I don't know if you know this, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, but you've got the biggest roller coaster in the world. It's massive, isn't it? And we went up the big, up, up the big dipper. Oh, God. Uh, we went up the big dipper. And uh, we're on the Big Dipper, right? And we're going about 200 mi miles an hour. 200 miles an hour on, on, the, on the Big Dipper. And um, we go on the Big Dipper, right? And we come round the corner. And Cheeky Monkey, right? He... And, uh... we get, we're on the Big Dipper, right? No. That... Oh, you Cheeky Monkey. He's made me forget. It's his fault, ladies and gentlemen. He's made me forget. He made... Oh, he... Oh! He's always doing that, ladies and gentlemen. Forget, forget, forget the joke there. Cheek, cheek, cheeky monkey. Cheeky, cheeky monkey. Ladies and gentlemen, Joe Beasley and Cheeky che Monkey. Yeah, everyone loves. Oh, you cheeky! It's Joe Beasley and Cheeky Monkey. We used That's to put and we had samples of that on our bloody answer phone oh. because it was so brilliant, weren't it? When that, you cheeky. <laughs> that is that. That is beautiful. It's so it's so well observed. As well, John Thompson was a, like then. I know you forgot, but he was a brilliant comedian at the beginning, weren't he? Mm. I know when he did all cold feet and he started doing crap. But he was brilliant when he was younger, wasn't he? He was part of that world, come from that Manchester, Manchester Polytechnic, yeah. didn't they? I know they call it university now, but it was a Polytechnic name, wasn't it? Uh, in episode seven, uh, we had Glenn Ponder and his friend Andy, Mary Bell Winger and a debate Christian, Gordon Hewan, the paralysed former golfer, Tony Hare's course chief commissioners for the BBC Television, and Liz Hewan, Gordon's wife, and also a golf fanny Thomas innuendo. Oh, yeah. Best like played by Kevin Elder. Yeah, uh, no. No, that no, that is a, he's got some cracking stuff in there because it's a bloke with the rover in it. Yeah, you know who keeps giving him more rover gifts. Oh, because yeah. that's it. Because no, that was it. That because he was the last I ever saw driving around on the TV in a rover and going on about rovers. <laughs> it really didn't help rover at the time. No, I can say because he was so naff, wasn't he? Um, did you see, by the way, that uh, somebody had turned up to a cinema last week to watch um, Alpha Papa? And there was a rover in the car park with cockpit partridge written on it. Oh, Seriously. I'm not sure if it was a plan to just another PR thing. Yeah, or yeah. somebody had actually done that to their own rover. Or somebody else's oh rover. Oh my god, that's brilliant. Yes. So I wonder if it's still going. <laughs> I wonder if KA sales are doing well now. No, not KA. Is it okay? Kia. Kia, sorry, yeah. Kia, Kia. yeah. Well, they said it, they took them ages to think of that, didn't it? 
to the, the thought for ages what car they were going to have. Mm. And they were, cause it, it was, they were going to go, I know they were going to have a Lexus because he always, because that was, he loved it, didn't he? He always loved, what was it, the, you know, the Japanese, Ro, uh, Japanese Rolls Royce, weren't he? But no, they went for the Kia, and I thought, yeah, it makes sense, doesn't it? Because it's yeah. a practical car. That was a quick nod yeah. to Nigel Bromley there for that one out on, you put on Facebook. Uh, yes, <laughs> indeed. Now, after that one, of course, we had the TV series I'm Alan Partridge, just broke away from tradition. We had two series of six episodes uh, broadcast first uh, in 1997, and the second series was, uh, was uh, five years later, in uh, 2002. Kind of forgot that it was quite a a big gap there. Basically, we've uh, Partridge now off the TV. I'm shooting Paul McAllister, uh, and have been on these uh, radio shows. Which of course, we find him. Yeah. From from then on, beautifully done at Linton Travel Tab, and uh, this series, uh, both series, sorry, written by Peter Bain and who appeared in the one episode, uh, and with support writing by Coogan and Demando Inucci. Uh, the cast for this was uh, Felicity, Felicity Montagu as his faithful mouse-like personal Lynn Benfield who's in loads of stuff when you look up around DB and hmm. um, does a lot of interview training as well uh, Simon Greenall as Geordie Travels have of handyman uh, Michael oh, yeah. Simon Greenall uh, most people now will not know it but will recognise his voice as being the meerkats from the, uh, the compare advert yeah I didn't know that and there's oh, also for, that. for, for uh, <laughs> the children uh, of a certain age and parents like myself will know Octonauts, he is Captain Barnacles. And of course, Phil Cornwall turns up as uh, uh, DJ yeah. Dave Clifton. Uh, this it, won several BAFTAs, winning two in British Comedy, comedy Awards. Well, it's perfect comedy, that is, isn't it? You know, Absolutely, like I said, yeah. I know, you know. I, I, think, think this, I think this was the one, though, that was um, without saying horrible, but became the mainstream for Alan Partridge. It did, yeah. Well, it, it, when it, when it, you know, it fleshed out the character, didn't it? That was the thing. And I, I think it had a bit of everything in there, didn't it? It was really funny. But then it started going a bit like the uh, the office with David Brent that you wanted him to do well towards the end of that. I was thinking, that in no me knowing you, you always thought he was a bit of a dick. You're thinking, yeah, look at the way you are. You deserve a bad things happen to you. But this just started feeling a bit sorry for him, didn't you? you know, he's a bit marginalised, weren't he? You know, his kids didn't want to see him. Hmm. You know, his wife was having an affair with a Jimmy, you know, all that kind of stuff. You know, he just wanted to be liked, didn't he? Even though he did speak to people like crap. Like, but you liked him, didn't you? And I think this is where you wanted, you like parties. It was also the first time I ever realised about the size of plates in hotels, oh. where you could have your, your board. Oh, his massive plate. plate. Yeah. His 12-inch plate. It's, yeah. given, it's given every hotel stay now has to have an element of partridge. Yeah. Yeah. It's the corgi trouser press, isn't it? Yeah, the, the, there's the trouser press or it's the tiny soaps. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> because it's impossible to look at those or, you know... Yeah. Look! Look at the mini bar, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and just not think of Partridge. Uh, yeah. I think any hotel stay, particularly one in one of the value chains, yes, mm. yes, yeah. um, has just been kind of cursed with a Partridge as well. I wonder if there are because there are people who do spend such long times in travel lodges, yeah. and Ibises, don't they? Well, it must cost them a bloody fortune. Now, after I'm Alan Partridge, well, there may be because I said before there may be clips going in this episode. It depends how long it is, but. Uh, Sure, there was a few in there, especially start getting Bond. I mean, I watched that one the other day, the James Bond of Thumb. Goldfinger! <laughs> What's the one with the, the with the volcano and it splits up and a big rocket comes through and there's all chinkies jump, jumping down? It's not a Thunderbolt. No, 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 stop getting Bond wrong! I'll tell you about the spy of me. All do that with your fingers round your eye. I'm Roger Moore. <laughs> Bang! Blood dribbles down. We're on a submarine. 
two sailors sit down and have a game of chess. And the cups start wobbling, and then a man who used to be in the Eden line comes in and goes, Why are the cups wobbling? What's going on? And then he... Yeah, you can stop doing that now. And then he pulls down the periscope thing, looks through it and goes, Oh, my God, the submarine's being eaten by a giant tanker. And then we cut to Moscow. And there's a man there, and he's Russian. He's got eyebrows, you know. And he's on the phone going, What, a whole submarine? You're joking! I'm going to have to tell some other Russians, see ya! And then, and then it cuts to James, Roger Moore, and uh, yes, he's with a lady. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's, he's necking with her. Right, and he goes, I've got to go, love, something's come up. <laughs> he, uh, yeah. he means his cock. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, then he, he, he puts on his underpants and his ski suit, and he gets on his skis and he starts skiing. And he's being chased by these Russian shits in black jumpsuits with lemon piping. And, uh, and he's just skiing along like that, and, and they start shooting at him, and he goes, right, I've had enough of that, just stop it! And he, and he turns around with his gun, and then he does a backward somersault off this ramp, and he, he lands on his feet, uh, I'm not sure why, but he's not showing off. And, and, then he, and he goes over a cliff, and he's falling, and you think, oh, God, James Bond's going to die, he's going to die! But then, at the last minute... He pulls a ripcord, right, and a, a parachute comes out, and it's got a union jack Michael! on it. Michael! That's not the end of the beginning. The end of the beginning goes like this. Glang, glang, a lang, a lang, a lang, a lang, a lang. Glang, a lang, a lang, a lang, a lang. Nobody does it better. And I'm a naked woman in silhouette with a gun, spinning round. Makes me feel sad for the rest. Nobody does it. Oh, bit of nipple. White as good as you. Baby, you're the best. Da, 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 da. And now, really big bounce right over, and I land on my feet. Da, 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 da. I wasn't looking. <laughs> somehow you found me. Uh, oh, bit of bush. Uh, <laughs> I tried to hide from your love life. And a woman swinging on a luger, a giant luger. Ooh, look at that. Uh, like heaven above me. And now another naked woman walking along the top of a gun. Completely Billy Bollocks. This <laughs> guy, you love me. Just keeping all my secrets safe tonight. And then one more big swing from a woman. Legs go right apart. Oh, what was that? Too late. <laughs> Nobody does it half as good as you. Baby, you're the best. Yes, uh, brilliant. Yeah, so, uh, do you want to hear some more? Welcome to America's Strongest Man. He's got thingy in it and it's Darth Maul in it. In that. My part, my part. Now the buggy decides to sort of play a piece of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's just an amazing, that's the thing with all these comedies, you put just the casts in them. But the one, just that, the one that really made me laugh at that, actually, once they've done is the perfect comic time by Lynn when she trips over and drops the bottle of Sunny Delight yeah. in the box of videos. Yeah. And anyone who's ever has, I mean, we used to drink Sunny Delight, yeah, yeah. ridiculous when I mean, we lived together, but... Everyone knows that you put some, you spill Sunny Delight on something, yeah, and yeah. it's ruined. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's that much sugar in it, and you know that it's on them videotapes. And it's just not again. The only one he's got left as well is the spy who loved me, and they're bringing around because it's, it's uh, because strongest man is it? <laughs> like I said, I, don't, I just love the little bit as well when he's got his shorts on and he's having a roll round, and then he, he moans about that. He can't because he's, he's popped out because the uh, the mesh inside of his shorts perished. <laughs> it's so well done, isn't it? Because 
them bloody mesh bits in the so everyone's like, you know, when you've got them, look at it, horrible. And the way he talks about it, perishing. Perish. That's, yeah. that's a partridge bird. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, we have some short, um, short little programs we've got now. I'll just read these out. The Am- Anglican Lives. In, uh, in 2003, Alan again returned to screen in a half-hour special of Anglican Lives, also known as oh, Anglican no, it's Alan. brilliant, isn't it? A fictional regional program that also starred uh, Peter Bynum as Ray Woolard. Um, this... This was something that apparently we had looked back on Alan's career, past and present, and the credits listed as being as in being executively produced by Alan himself and produced by his company, Apache Productions. And this shed more detail on Alan's hatred of London and his, of course, Toblerone addiction. Yeah, yeah, and it's got the brilliant bit where he's in Tandy's. Yeah. That, that, that is just Tandy, Tandy. weren't it? It's yeah. just so right. Not Because at the time you had Curry's, Dixon's, and Tandy. Whoever went to Tandy? Yeah. Alan Parches. <laughs> There's there's a bit and I I saw that the other day and I, I thought Partridge is obsessed with special permission. Yeah 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 yeah. He, he needs to have special permission because he was. T- there's a bit in um, I think knowing me knowing Yule yeah. where he delivers um, second-hand gifts to children. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he in the, in the beginning of that sequence he says, "You can't park here. I've got special permission." Yeah, 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 you're right. Yeah, yeah. Later on, he's talking about having special permission to go into Tandy's. Yeah, yeah, after, after hours. After to hours. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nice action. Oh, yeah, nice action. Yeah, 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 but no, yeah, yeah. whoever. Yeah, you, that's you it. That? People, you yeah, made yeah, it all yeah. the while. Nice, nice action. action. Yeah. Nice action. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Nice and action. I remember judging. It's been a busy few days. What better way to unwind than at Tandy's? I've got a special arrangement with their Norwich branch, who let me into their store after they're closed to the general public. If you're a well-known celebrity, Christmas shopping can be an absolute nightmare. So it's always nice to mooch around without fear of being threatened or pickpocketed. <laughs> nice action. Very nice action. Mm. That, is, that is a very nice action. Quality action. <laughs> CD doors opening or tape decks opening. Yeah. If they, the slower they were, the better quality they were. As if they just shot out. Yeah. They were interested in it. Yeah, you've got to have a nice action. It comes respect. <laughs> and uh, I was listening to the um, the audio book of um, I Partridge. Uh, <laughs> you've listened to it. Yeah, yeah, the version. It was in the car the other day where he, he pitched one of his ideas about. Um, Rambling along the hard shoulder of the, of the motorway network, <laughs> but again with special permission yeah. <laughs> of, the, of the highways agency. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like, oh, I would, st- I'd watch that though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, after uh, after online project came, of course, mid morning matters. The uh, Foster's uh, online. Have you uh, saw comedy show. Oh, man, I, I thought that no people slagged them, but I thought there was equal because it was. 100% partridge, mm. just him and Psychic Sai. Amazing, amazing. I really like Psychic Sai. Yeah. I, I love Tim Key anyway. I love his poetry. It's amazing. And I just look and he thought, this, this is when you realised he still had it. Because a load of people said, has he done partridge to death? 
because he'd done Saxondale and all these to try and get away from it. And he thought, oh, he's never going to do it again. Then he bought these back and they were still amazing, weren't they? Mm-hmm. And he, doing he, more as well, aren't they? They're doing he, more. He must have it. fallen really out of love with that. Oh, definitely, because... With the character and he's come back to it. I think he's he's embraced it. And it's, yeah, it, it's fantastic now because there's there's that absolute wealth of backstory mm. that you know has been either alluded to you know, in other episodes or written about in the book now and everything. Um, and you can just pick that up and keep going with it. It's fantastic. And now you've got his, as we'll talk about later on in the film, are you going to have the ascendancy again of Partridge? Because that's, he's been right down, hasn't he? Because in Mid-Morning Matters, he was at his lowest mm. professional. But now he's on a professional high. And now he's, got, he's on a high. He's got everything. It's, he's, he's got his back in it. Well, 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 let's wait until we talk yeah, about yeah, films yeah, like yeah. that after mm. that book, because mm. that's what I want to come to. Right now. Remind um, me about that, actually. I'm going to nominate uh, um, a... a a very special moment from Mid Morning Matters, which is when Alan's on the phone to the cinema. <laughs> you mean, uh, Inception. 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 <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, no. Inception. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, Inflict his voice on the one who. No. <laughs> no, he's got some brilliance. <laughs> but it, uh, that's a very partridge thing as well. Mm. Only Partridge in this day and age, like within the last two years, would actually try and use one of those yeah, yeah. ring up the cinema and book <laughs> yeah, it yeah, yeah, yeah. with a knackered old answering machine. He wouldn't go online. <laughs> he, only Partridge would try and do it on the booking system on the phone. Uh, now, that's what I love about Midmorning Matters because it had the ultimate interaction with the audience. That's what I love with people phoning up. Having a go at him all the while, and him <laughs> having a go at people. There's some amazing stuff like mm. psychic size winding him up about his tax, because mm. that's been talked about in loads of them, hasn't it? About his tax arrangements, right? You know, in Arman and Parties, the people that, and and he's really touchy about that, isn't that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the receipt for Bill Oddie's dressing. Room. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And he gets really, really stressed. I know he? he gets really stressed. <laughs> Well, old, uh, old Bill Oddie was asked not long ago, wasn't he? How he thought about the, his name being constantly mentioned in Alan Partridge. And when you, when you, as you say in the book, the you know I Partridge, we need to talk about Alan. Um, I, I like you listen to the audio version of it, and I listened to it in my car, <laughs> and it was such a pleasure to. I have found out. I mean, I was a bit like that with the de- uh, the Devil May Care, the Splash of Force yeah, book, yeah. and also with um, Shatner's biography. Yeah, yeah. You know, because let's face it, driving to it, especially when you do the same drive every day, it doesn't matter. You know, you see the same car. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You listen to that, and suddenly you actually you have pleasure in driving. Mm. And I was laughing all the way through it, but but the one thing that came out when oh, I, I did it was I found this to be if you took Partridge out and put Arnold Wimmer in, yeah, there isn't a lot there. It's yet. exactly the same, and there was loads of stuff that he was saying, or loads of stuff that he was going about his past or his ideas. Which to me, it sounded like Chris Barry. Well, Chris Barry ain't far off Partridge, is he? Well, no, Next to Mr. Barry. I mean, it's, it's really Chris Barry. Yeah. Like, and of course, and of course, Chris uh, Red Dwarf was like 1980s, yeah, 1988. Yeah. So it's a long time before Partridge came out. But you you listen to it and you compare it, and it is very, very I know you sound about his childhood. Yeah. Because yeah. the way Rimmer was like bullied. Mm-hmm. Even though you found out now he weren't they weren't the parents. No, that's not going Listen to the classic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, and that's it. He was bullied by his parents. Because. The stuff about him and his dad Partridge is brilliant, isn't it? But that's that's what I love about the way. There's always that tinge of darkness in there as well, mm. isn't there? Yeah. That's what I like about Partridge. That's the only thing where I don't think Rimmer was ever that dark. No. It was never that dark because he was a bit of an idiot, Rimmer, weren't he? Yeah, yeah. Part of the thing with Partridge, he's actually good at what he does. Hmm. 
I mean, I think he and Rimmer are both deluded. Yeah. Mm. They're both massively in denial about where they are. All, all the bad stuff that's happened. Because, I mean, Partridge is still talking about having, having shot Forbes McAllister straight through the heart at the end of his first series. He was, you know, clearly expecting a second series. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, there's, that, there's just that huge element of denial. Of I it. think yeah, it's I a very... With Rimmer, I, I, I get that. But I think... Uh, I, I, I don't want to really go into David Brent, but I'm thinking that there is that denial as, as well with Brent. It's a very British character, that is, isn't it? I think, that, yeah, but the difference with Brent here, I mean, with Rimmer, and it could be the fact that, of course, I've listened to all of the audio books of Red Bull. And you've got... And, 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 yeah, and, you got, and it's, it's Barry doing it. And as you say, they are very similar. I think the trouble with Brent is, is about that. Brent's likeable. You find him irritable, and you think, God, why would you do that? But there's not a nasty bone in his body. Yet with Partridge, as we'll go on to the film, like there's a redeemer to that. But with Rima and Partridge, they are out for themselves. There's a Rima is ultimate. There's a massive selfishness to it, and the reason with Partridge because he he expects to be on the TV, and we're going to go on to the film in a minute. But and that's a virtual way through it. Yet with David Brent, you kind of think, you know what? And and, and there's a great little bit in uh, in the office where towards the end of it, where that no one wants to know him. And he said, and my one that it's a horrible woman who gets a she gets a come up with later on. He said, who wants to go out with you? And Martin Freeman's character turns around. Oh and no, goes, you do. Feel- yeah, I'll, I'll come out for drink with you though. And that goes to show because you would do that. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to see someone being knocked down like that. We really they haven't got. A well, we are going to do the office. That's not what we are going to do. We are doing the office definitely. Yeah, because I'm going back and watching because I, I suffered quite badly with the seconds because I'm not I'm not you a great like- fan of. Cringe. Not that I don't appreciate it because I really do. I know it's not a good cringe comedy. Girl. No, but we call it just a. I'm not a great fan of cringe comedy because I, I like. Again, that's not to say I don't yeah, appreciate. I've been a second series. Oh, and you're going back and watching it, but from going place. from the first series and really liking, you know, because we all know Glenn, and and then seeing him, it's such a terrible downfall. But again, what the genius of Gervais and Stephen Merchant. Yeah, that's brilliant. That you feel sorry for him. You empathise with him at the end, because he's trying his hardest. Now it's getting back into this. Now he did a, a thing called uh, Alan Partridge's Welcome to the Place of My Life. Which you watched recently, didn't you? It's amazing, day. isn't it? A one hour special which aired on June of 2012 on Sky Atlantic. Alan takes his viewers around a tour of Norfolk, uh, which actually was really, really quite silly, <laughs> actually. I've got nice. the, the enduring line from that is let me put that into perspective. Flying AIDS. <laughs> it's, it's such a classic line in it. So like, oh, I love the bit in that. I love it where he's rambling and the stick. And he breaks oh. the stick and he knackers it up and he still tries to save it, doesn't yeah. he? There's a little stick. <laughs> you have to do a child. Yeah. <laughs> he jumps on that stick. Which way he just dis- dismisses it later on. Yeah, yeah. Now, he also did another one-hour thing, which I'm you not haven't sure yet. No, I like talking books. Have you seen the talking open, books? Open books with Martin Bryce really and Alan Yeah, that was really, really nice. I mean, and, and that was just so... Um, there was so many layers in that, because that was Partridge talking about himself, Partridge talking about the book. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And with the audience, the, the amazing stuff with the audience and his fans. It was really, really good. But again, um, you know, the, the, the issue with, I mean... Um, not so much with the Foster's uh, mid-morning yeah. letters programs because they were genuinely available to everybody, but putting um, Places in My Life and Open Books on Sky Atlantic really did make them a real rarity thing. Yeah, that, well, that's um, why you didn't say anything. Yeah? No. And it no. was... Stra- well, that's it. The BBC, there must have been some something 
There's got to have been a deal because well, I can't I, believe I, the BBC had let something go. Well, I don't know. And have it exclusivity on the channel. seems pretty, pretty kind of like he had no qualms in turning around and saying how dismayed he was with their attitude towards the end of the thick of it. Yeah, well, so, yeah, uh, no, he was, he was proper pissed off, wasn't he? Yeah. He really was. Because mm. they're not, they're not wanting to produce good comedy anymore. And, and like we, I know we, I know we constantly bang on about it, and I'm sorry for repeating what we always say, but. Their attitude towards BBC Four stinks in my mind. Mm. Well, no, because they've got to pay. Will I am for well, BBC Four and half million yeah. pound a year? Yeah, that's BBC why. Four is our equivalent, I think, of Sky Atlantic. And if they kept the, the not the, not the yeah, huge yeah. amount of money, but if they had the money given to them, because whatever you say, we might not be able to do the you know the, the huge. No, no, we can't. We can't. We do what we do. Look at the stuff that we produced. All the doco dramas that we've had. Mm-hmm. You know, the last mm-hmm. one. Is, is, I'll tell that you that Richard one about Richard Burton was amazing. Did you see that one, Pete? It was amazing. And they were saying that they could have made four of them with the budget mm. of the uh, voice. Right. And th- th- there's the problem, isn't it? Yeah. That's the difficulty. But I think, yeah, you, you're right. I'm Andy Nucci is kind of, kind of in bed with Sky on this because Veep. Mm. Yeah. Um, I really liked it. People, I, I thought it was really good. Veep is fantastic. But yeah. Squirrels were on Sky Atlantic and I, I, I haven't got it, so I had to wait for the. Mm. Wait for the DVD and oh, it's um, really good, yeah, isn't it? I just had the faith to buy the DVD. It must be made because it, it, it's really good. Like I said, people say, "Oh, it's the thick of it." It was a different thing than the thick of it. People go, "Oh, we didn't swear because it wasn't that world." You wouldn't be swearing like that in front of the vice president of America, yeah. and that's what they forget. She's a very powerful woman who's got no power, and that was the point. You, you, his people were sucking up to her. Really, they weren't a Malcolm Tucker character because you wouldn't get like that speaking to them. Yeah, and also as well, the, the reason yeah. why that's funny is because we do swearing pretty well. As in America, their swear words are slightly different, a bit more. Uh, not as well, well, no, it's the it's it, it Don't listen to what you read in the horror the Empire it. saying, oh, it was a shadow of the thick of it. I thought it was its own show. Yeah, mm. And that's the key, it's its own show. It's own show. It's mm. so, very good. Alpha Papa, the <laughs> film, here we go, came out on the 7th of August 2013. The critical acclaim went straight to number one at the box office in the United Kingdom and Ireland. It was written by Coogan, Anucci, Rob Gibbons and Neil Gibbons, plus Peter Bainham. Uh, the story can, takes place entirely in Norfolk, or in Norwich, I should say. Um, now, we went and saw it, the electric and Kelly went and saw it, yeah. the normal cinema. Um, I've got to say, I, I, I went in there with slight... You know, well, we we all were. I think everyone was. No, hundred percent sure what I was going to get. Now I saw the world's end um, a couple of weeks that before, really, really and regardless of what people say, I know some people have been dissing it. Now, yet yeah, that what that did suffer quite badly at the box office, but we was doing a huge yeah, yeah, yeah. heat wave, which wasn't the greatest. And I think a lot of people have become a bit dismayed with the with Simon, Simon Pegg Nick Frost world. Yeah. That, you know, there's, there's, Simon Pegg was built up as going to be this comedy, you know, there's going to be this comedy, great comedy actor, and some of the crap he's done. Mm. People thinking, is that all you want, that all you want to do after that? So, I think people went in with low expectations, but it worked, though, didn't Absolutely it? Absolutely not. I, I stand by, I think it's one of, one of oh, the no, best Oh, no, I think films. it's their best one. And I was saying, yeah, I mean, it's, it hasn't got the, the, the comedy elements or the structure, I don't think, as, as that, especially and Sean The sci-fi element's a bit tagged on, but... Um, it's a bit, a bit Crystal Skull, that bit. But, but I thought it was brilliant. It's a slightly darker film, but I would I I got no qualms. Simon Pegg's best acting, incredibly so, incredibly so. Nick Frost fantastic until he gets drunk and then he just Vincent, gets lost. yeah yeah yeah. Um, but otherwise, yeah. Well, pretty, I think as well. I think you've not seen it yet, have you? No, no, no. no, 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 no we but it's well. really good. It's like you know. I think we didn't know what we were going to get because the last time we've had this was in between us. We're thinking it ain't going to be that good, and that was a really really funny film, exactly. wasn't it? But again. I think very reason, different than the series, isn't it? The reason why I thought 
And I think the world's end works, and also the reason why we, we found, and so many other people in our generation X. Yeah. Like, it was the fact that we are so, we, we, we identified so much with the in-betweeners. Oh. And also we identified so much with the world's end. Yeah, yeah, that's it, so, yeah. You know, especially Gannick, but especially, you know, Gary, we Gary, know Gary King people, don't we? Yeah. Two of them. Two of them who are just like Gary King. <laughs> and, and really the one who thought he was like, come out and study with a badge of honour. And I thought you're not getting the point of the Gary yeah. King. I don't want to spoil too much of it. No, 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 no. But you'll see the Gary King. He's not heroic. No, he's not heroic. He's not heroic. But yeah, so um, Alpha Papa, basically, it's a, a siege film with the wonderful Carl Meany in it, who is just... Oh, no, he's a wicked actor. We're not going to get too much into the film, because otherwise we'll be all day and we're only out of time. But um, Pete, stand that moment in that in Alpha Papa for you. Oh, my God. That's the thing. There's so many. I think you were talking about the fact that there are just so many funny lines mm. in it. Every line has been really carefully thought about. Um, the the scene where he ends up without his trousers, yeah, that's a, <laughs> no, a good idea. Is 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 fantastic. And uh, I mean, I know you you were just talking about what you were af- afraid of before the before the film came out. One of the things that Inucci mentioned hmm. um, when it was even in prospect, he said. It's okay, don't worry. It's not Alan Partridge goes to America. Everyone thought that was going to happen because yeah. there was rumours about that, wasn't that? Him yeah. being picked up by an American mm. cable network. And, go, and I thought, oh no, it oh, could be good, but it probably it won't be. But that could be a good sequel, though. Well, because, I don't know. Because, it, and sorry for I'd have him going to London. I'll have him go, if I think if he went to London, that'd make sense because he got fame in England. Yeah, but the trouble is, he's got too much that I don't think be, to happen. Do you think there'll be another Partridge film? I, 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 don't, don't, I, don't, I don't think I need to be done it. I don't think I wanted to because, and as I say, turn off now if you've not seen it. But the fact that he's such an ass throughout it and he's so selfish, including especially in oh, such is. a dangerous scene. Hmm. Yet the payoff at the end, he's with that girl and, the kids. and he's got kids, and he's got what he wants. He wanted the Range Rover with the boat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. He's got everything he wants and. A little bit like with Only Falls and Horses, when it should have ended, we now got there. Well, throughout the whole of Only Falls and Horses, their mantra was, this time next year, we'll yeah. be millionaires. And they became millionaires. And they finish Stop it. it. Yeah, 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 brilliant. Because as soon as they come back, oh, look, they've lost the money, you thought, you can't have sympathy with them anymore. Because like everybody, you know, when you haven't got any money, or you, you know, you, you work hard for a week, these people turn around and say, I won the lottery. Ruined my life. You got yeah. no sympathy for him because you think, no, quite clearly you were a dick and didn't do things properly. Yeah. And so I don't think you want to, you know, as much as I thought the film was fantastic, let's leave it on a high. Yeah, I agree. Good morning, man. And this have got the main... about his radio show. Yeah, yeah. do that. I, because they've said on these, they're going to have a break. From, I think they're doing some more mid morning matters because I've got mm-hmm. that deal. And I think they're having a break for a few years then. Because he's, you know, the brilliant thing, you found out that he was 55 in the series. Mm. So he's brilliant. He's got time on his hands yeah. with that, hasn't he? He can grow into this character. What, what was your standout moment? Of what a time I think it's going to be the one with the toilet. No, it? it's the bit with the toilet. Yeah. In, in the, <laughs> he's the way he got himself in that chemical thing. He's the way he looks, but his voice changes. Because your favourite, your favourite scene out of, uh, out of uh, that film, any film, and you, you've seen thousands of films, but I know for a fact that there's only there's only one film, and it's the bit where Val Kilmer's head pops out. Top secret. <laughs> I have got a thing about 
people popping their heads out of buildings or holes or whatever like the bit in Geordie Star Wars yeah. surprise, surprise. <laughs> and the slight things on that but that bit when he's in that thing oh please lord let it be solid <laughs> I was dying I was I was dying it's the way he only Alan would get yourself into a septic tank and the way because he don't make any sense only got himself in there does it he's just in there he's going in there why would you be lying down <laughs> friends yeah yeah that's bad yeah. What's, well, your, what's your bit in it? That bit really killed him. But yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. I mean, it's, it's the dream sequence where he's like, who's got a shoot? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and he's really... imagined it all. And then when he cuts back to him, he goes, and, he goes, and he's just holding the gun. And, yeah. and he pats it and he goes, thanks for not taking the gun off me, Alan. And yeah. he goes, oh, it's all right. But that's got I a really good, you know what's really good a bit about that bit? Because at the, at the beginning, he's talking to Sean Pertwee about the SAS siege. And he's talking about, oh, you remember that bit where what did they do? They drilled the plaster out so they could run through the walls. And he does it in his dream. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I love that bit. I thought it was a really clever bit of writing. <laughs> you put it in there, then you the punchline's out of that. And I really like Sean Perry's character in that as well. I went I like nice little just little cameo. I know there's been a few negative people saying, oh, why did they have to turn it out? Turn it into uh, like a shoot, you know, a film with guns. Yeah. Why couldn't they have done like sideways when it was a lot more gentle? But that would have been the series, and the point was it was a film. But then it wasn't a, compared it to sideways. It wasn't a TV show, it was a film, and the yeah. two. They're different, and it's not the in between us. The film was different than the show, wasn't it? In between us, uh, well, I mean, we're going to wrap up now anyway, but. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's going to be interesting, in between, isn't it? In between us, the in between us. I look forward to it, but it's never going to yeah. be like that, is it? The trouble is, is that I, one of the things that I really liked about in between us. Are you was, in between us, um, Yeah, that's great. It's quite late, late, but yeah. yeah. I look, look, we come to really late, didn't oh, we? Absolutely, it was yeah. pretty and, and I've openly said, I've openly said it on the show, that um, I'm more of a fan of the film than I have the TV yeah, series. Yeah. I found the TV series just a little bit tiring after a while. Um, yeah, I found the film. And the, the, the thing I like, I like, I, my, my favourite comedies, I love authoritative figures taking the piss out of things. Well, the reason why I like Jack Deaver who's in the Grimmies. It's the reason why I like teachers at first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The reason why I like chalk. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the reason why I liked um, the in between is because I loved Greg Davies. I loved his, <laughs> his authority kind of like mm-hmm. dismissal of people straight away. I like that kind of humour. I will forget each and every one of you almost immediately. So. If you do find yourself at a loose end next year, I think it might be nice to pop in and see how we're getting on. Don't. This isn't the Dead Poets Society, and I'm not that bloke on BBC Two who keeps getting kids to sing in choirs. I especially don't want to hear about how well you're settling down at uni or how much growing up you've done in the past 12 months. At best, I am ambivalent towards most of you, but some of you I actively dislike for no other reason than your poor personal hygiene or your irritating personalities. I hope I've made myself clear on this point, and in case any of you think I'm joking, I'm not. I assure you that once my legal obligation to look after your best interest is removed, I can be one truly nasty fucker. Good luck with the rest of your lives, and try not to kill anyone. Reflects very badly on all of us here. And I'm thinking... You know, he's barely in the... In oh, well, he was a bit more in the original cut, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, cut, and that's on the DVD. And you think, is he going to be in the... Nah, you can't. You can't because they're at school. How are they, they going to prime him? They're not going to do it, are they, really? Well, this is the thing with that in-between. You know, it's gonna, he's living up to that goodwill because it had loads of goodwill, that film did. And, and, I, and you're taking them out. I know they were... 
were, it was in Spain, but it was still like they were in Britain with all British people. Yeah, so we had it really, and, and they were being bullied, and that yet again they went abroad, and they were the in-betweeners again, weren't they? But what they've got to make sure they don't do is they don't follow the American pie. They don't follow the American pie. Thing. That's the because which the first one's brilliant. Which then, is where I think that's slightly going to go, but I just hope they, they don't. So. Well, hey, anyway, that's the end of the uh, the Alan Partridge podcast. Hope you all enjoyed it. Next uh, next month, which will be the September edition, is going to be a weird... When you'll be 40 years old, old man. Old man. <laughs> so we're going to do... Um, we've got Blackadder Goes Forth coming up, uh, but we're also going to be doing... I think we did say in September, because I'm hitting 40, we're going to do uh, something to do with 40. We're going to do like yeah, it might be. Or we'll do... Anyway, it could be a surprise. Uh, as you know, our format is going to be changing in October. Um, to more of a review show with classic TV. Yeah, still, 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 still stuff that we love. We're not, yeah, we're not. not but we're going to talk about where this come from. It's like the way this is. Yep. That we saw Partridge, and we've been talking about Partridge loads. Thinking, well, why don't we just do a podcast now while we're talking about stuff that we really love? Yeah. So let's just do things that we really so, love. All you wonderful listeners, uh, stay with us. Yeah. <laughs> no, you know, I like to, you know, they, you know, obviously they like listening to us. Chat. You, you're gonna, you're gonna get a lot more. Yeah, because you're gonna get a lot more waffling. You're gonna get a lot yeah. more. Uh, I might have to change the tag on iTunes to slightly explicit because I guarantee there's oh, yeah. stuff swearing all the <laughs> But there's been loads of times anywhere where we're like. There's been happened a few times last week when we were talking about something. This should be the podcast. Oh, yeah. Come in yeah. having a big old debate for like 40 minutes about something. And I wanted that original podcast to be about me and him having our arguments, stroke debates, about yeah. things where lately it's got like, he says him, I'll agree. And that's it. It's like, yeah, this is brilliant. Yeah, so, so we, we are changing it back to our we, we kind of want to go. And, uh, and uh, we are going to have, looking forward to the uh, apocalypse now. Episode. On my 40th. That's going to be great. That's on the 40th. And um, we've already picked two episodes that month because we've got our Christmas episode, which is going to be. I can't remember what you're on about this the other day, won't you? Die Hard. Best Christmas film ever made. I disagree. It's Home Alone. But that could be in the end. Uh, it's, it's, it's a Wonderful Life. Um, Amazon. Oh, we haven't done it yet. <laughs> oh, no. Anyway. Uh, yeah. You should have done that with the Red Dwarf. Should have done that one. Anyway. Damn it. Anyway. Sure. anyway, yeah, um, plenty more shows coming up with Pete involved. Thanks again, Pete, for coming along. Cheers, Pete. Real pleasure. I'm now off for a chicken and mushroom slice at BP Garage. Oh, no. You classy fellow. All that breeding. And, come out uh, something. <laughs> and I'm going to be driving away back home. And I'm going to be listening to this track. <laughs> Take care. Bye.
We've had several calls during uh, the last few hours about a humorous comment I made some time ago. Just to reassure you, the Queen is not dead. It was a humorous intro into a song which seems to have been taken a bit too literally by uh, one or two listeners and a newspaper. Um, so just to repeat, Queen Elizabeth II is not dead. Uh, unless she went in the night and is yet to be discovered by the men. Let's say hello to my new comedy character, Camp David. Hello, Camp David. Well, hello, Alan. <laughs> and, uh, what did you have for breakfast this morning? Ooh, mince. If you would like to voice your opinions in written or vocal form, then please do email the lads at waffleonpodcast at gmail.com and await your views to be aired and then royally torn apart or praised. If you stalk the internet and hide in such social networks as Facebook, then why not join the group page? It's easy to do. Just type Waffle on Podcast in the search bar, find the page, and join. This has been a Waffle on Production. Copyright Simon Mettings and Mark C. Kelly.